A lot of great things coming to Rock Hill. It really was the people of Rock Hill. How many things does Rock Hill have going on? And you get to be a part of that. Now it's like, wow, I wanna be there. I wanna live there. I wanna go there. It is extraordinary. The changes that have happened and what I really believe is just the next really great city in South Carolina. Hello and welcome into CityCast. My name is Ashley Studebaker alongside co-host Matthew Cray here, uh, where we aim to keep you updated on all things City of Rock Hill here at CityCast. We have a special guest with us today. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. Uh, glad to be here and uh, look forward to to uh, firing, get facing the firing squad here today. <laughs> yeah, so if you just want to kind of go over your title and where you're from and how you got to the city of Rock Hill. Sure. Um, my name's Chris Herman. Um, I'm the transportation planner for the city of Rock Hill. Um, I uh, moved to Rock Hill from western Kentucky um, seven years ago now. Yeah, I think May was seven years ago. Um, had a background in planning. Um Played college football, went on to get my master's in public administration because I thought, public service, that's for me. Uh, never regretted that. Sarcasm. Um, but it public service was something I kind of worked through in college, working for different um, um, departments within the, the city I grew up in. And then I interned for the mayor there after college and went, yeah, that's that's what I want to do. I want to help a city grow and 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 see the different uh, departments and evolution of, of inside city government. Um, so like I said, background in planning, uh, found a job that was available uh, here through the, the MPO RFATS with David Hooper. Um, he had a, a good choice in, in bringing me over, I think, um, and worked with him for six years before uh, transitioning over to the city um, when an opening came available. So. Um, yeah, I've been loving it ever since we, we got here. We love Rock Hill. And uh, where did you go to school? Where did you put football at? Center College. It's okay. a small D3 liberal arts college, um, middle Kentucky, Kentucky okay. middle of nowhere, dry <laughs> county, if that tells Kentucky's you anything. In the middle of no, like, Kentucky's just in the middle of nowhere kind of state. It is. And, and the part where I went to college is kind of the, the horse farm, bourbon trail country. So okay. it's really beautiful. But in the middle of the Bourbon Trail, we're like the only dry county. So that tells you a lot about the college I went to. Um, but yeah, uh, played college football for four, for four years. Offensive line, of course. People look at me of and course. think wide receiver. <laughs> I'm 300 pounds. I can catch everything that's thrown see, at me. Since so. it's a podcast and people can't see you, they have, they're have they just imagining all these things right now. Right. I'm really, really skinny yeah. for anybody listening. <laughs> so um, yeah. Uh, great experience, loved it, wouldn't trade it for anything. Awesome. Well, uh, when we bring people on, I was going to ask you to give an elevator speech, but that's really kind of what you just did. Uh, so I'm going to ask you a fun question uh, that we ask several of our guests in the past and, in my opinion, has generated the most fun answers. Oh uh, tell us something embarrassing that happened to you, oh, I thought you were going as a, a kid. Route. Uh, what embarrassing did not happen to me as a kid? <laughs> so we've had Jason Reynolds at Cherry Park who mm -hmm. drove his bike off the roof and impaled himself in third grade. Right. Um, what, Just what, Jason Reynolds things. There, what, we had uh, Jolly 
Mike Jolly with the utilities. Oh, that one was funny. Once followed a trail of ants when he was younger, and uh, his his dad was interviewing for a job in a new city, and he looked up and he didn't know where he was because he had been following the trail of ants, and that's how he took his first ride in a police car. Right. Um. So yeah, it, it doesn't really. It can be when you were young, young. It can be college. Just an embarrassing story about yourself. Um. I'll go with a story that doesn't include vomit or anything. Um. Um. It's a story my mother loves, and I'm sure she's going to listen to this. Um, when I was in high school, shortly after I got my, my driver's license, I was driving down our road. We lived in kind of the rural um, area of the county, and our road was kind of narrow. And I got to a point in the road where uh, there's a big ditch on both sides, and there was a beaver sitting in the middle of the road. I thought it was too big to, like, drive over and it was in the middle of the road and I didn't want to like put my car in a ditch because of the beaver there. So I called her. I said, I can't come home. Why? There's a beaver in the road. (laughs) Well, just drive over it. I don't want to hurt it. (laughs) So my mom brings one of our neighbors with a shovel and they commenced to help me, you know, get the beaver off the road which I thought was all well and dandy and fine, and I went about my way. My mom did not let me see the end of that story. <laughs> oh um, my there were a number of years I was referred to as Beaver Boy, and <laughs> that gets embarrassing for a number of different reasons. Yeah, um, I can't even think. It's hard to think of something embarrassing that happened like a long time ago. I can't even think. Ashley of has blocked all of her embarrassing memories out. That's a yeah. good thing to do. I thought you yeah. were going to ask him if a hot dog was a sandwich. No, I thought about that, but I I, I, I like the results we get from this one. They're very personable. Okay. So your mom just wishes you had run the beaver over? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> just kill the animal. Don't worry about it. Roadkill. Move on. So you're, you're, you might be beaver boy, but you can call uh, PETA if you never need any help. Right. Um, I, I think they would look kindly upon me <laughs> since I was so, so generous and nice to him. So you're a transportation planner for the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what all does your job entail? <sighs> what doesn't it entail? Okay. Um, it means I'm busy. That, that says a lot. Um, my job's not always the easiest thing to explain to people what I, it is exactly that I do because I do so many different things. If you ask my 11-year-old daughter, she'll tell you I work at City Hall and I play in the street a lot. <laughs> Some days that's very, very accurate. <laughs> Um, but to me, I like to think of it as like, I help people get to where it is that they're trying to go. Um, here at the city, we, we say that we're always on and in transportation that is entirely accurate because transportation never stops. Um, transportation is something that can be all encompassing and it impacts everyone because there's, there's places that everyone needs to go to and, and places they need to be, whether it's. You know, parents trying to take kids to school in the mornings or someone trying to rush through traffic and get to a doctor's appointment. Or if you're walking down the sidewalk in the evenings trying to get to the My Ride bus after your your work shift ends in the evenings, you are constantly trying to go somewhere, someplace throughout the city. And and for me, I, I like to think I help them get where they're trying to go. As a transportation planner, that means I've got a myriad of different roles and responsibilities and duties that I juggle constantly every day. Um, Then I also serve as the traffic commission liaison, which a lot of people in the city aren't aware. The city has a traffic commission and we review any kind of traffic safety concerns that people have. Um, 
we review um, any requests for um, signage in, in your neighborhood streets, or if you think drivers are speeding through your neighborhood streets, or if parking is an issue in your neighborhood or your business, or if you'd like to request traffic calming like speed humps, that all comes to me. Um, and I evaluate any of those concerns that comes to us here at the city, and I research and evaluate those concerns, and I take that information to the Traffic Commission, which is made up of different members of departments throughout the city. We've got police in there. We've got city management. We've got a representative of city council. We have engineers in the room. We have a representative of SCDOT on there. And they evaluate those concerns and see if there's kind of a formal, you know, resolution is there a recommendation is there a change that needs to be made and sometimes there is sometimes uh, the best way to address things is make actual changes to the roadway or signage sometimes the best way to address is you know targeted enforcement by the police department sometimes it's just communicating to residents and employees of what the laws and regulations are so that everyone has a good understanding of what's required um, so I handle a lot of different things <laughs> every day, and that's a great thing for me because, you know, with ADHD, I can juggle a bunch of stuff all at once. Um, but, you know, traffic commission at cityofrockhill.com, if you've got any concerns out there, if there's speeding, if there's parking, if there's pedestrian and cyclist safety concerns, send those my way. Call so me. those go to you. Talk to me. Yep. You filter through this. So our podcast viewers obviously can't see you right now, but you are wearing a My Ride polo. So obviously that somewhere falls under your umbrella. What do you do specifically with My Ride, okay. if you can narrow it down? Right. Um, in my previous position with the MPO, um, I worked with the city to help kind of secure the federal funding needed for you know acquisition of the buses and um, capital purchases for you know all the, all the equipment needed, the chargers for um, paying employees for things like that. In this position now as trans transportation planner with the city, I kind of work hand in hand with Cliff Goolsby, who manages my ride, and we kind of think through any adjustments needed to the different routes. Um, we kind of work with each other on, you know, do we need to work with Public Works and, and make any of the stop locations kind of wider with sidewalks or, or um, concrete pads? Um, do we need trash cans at every stop? Trying to address some litter issues. Um, any kind of day-to-day -day things that need changes or, you know, um, Cliff and I kind of walk through the federal requirements since I've got a lot of experience with that side. Um, he and I kind of tag team and work hand-in-hand -hand on whatever my ride users need, we're there. So we have Traffic Commission and my ride. What else falls under your umbrella? What kind of projects? Oh, it, it's it's kind of a thing where if it has to do with land, water, or air transportation, I have a hand in it. Um, you know, my work involves a lot of different things. Some days I'm, I'm working with um, engineers on, on helping to design new developments throughout the city, uh, making sure all the roadways and sidewalks and trails are gonna be constructed in the best manner possible. Some days I'm working with our grants division to um, work on grant applications for you know federal funding, like what's coming through with the new federal infrastructure bill. And other days I'm, I'm out 
in the living laboratory that is Rock Hill, observing travel patterns. You know, I like to get out and ride around in traffic and see kind of where are the points where people are getting frustrated with? What's going on out there? What kind of travel patterns are changing? You know, we're coming up on school periods, so you start seeing changes with that. Um, I like to go out and kind of see where, where paths and sidewalks are. Are people utilizing those or are there kind of goat paths where people walk through the grass and maybe we need to think, you know, when things change in the future, do we need to put a different path that people are more comfortable using? I like to do things like that. Um, and then a lot of my job requires coordination, you know, with all of the departments across the city, with our partners at the MPO, with staff at SCDOT, with York County because roadways don't have political boundaries. You know, people cross roadways each and every way that they can. So it requires a lot of coordination and talking with all the different parties to make sure things run as smoothly as they possibly can for us in terms of So when you're driving, you know, just out outside of work with mm-hmm. your family or whatever, like, do you switch that off? Do you experience road rage or do you have a completely different perspective? I don't switch it off. I don't, I don't have road rage, but the planning part of me doesn't turn off and my wife hates it. <laughs> she hates it. We can drive by a bush and she, oh, that's a pretty bush. I love that plant. Yeah, it causes sight distance issues. It's terrible. <laughs> she gets so mad at me and frustrated and wants me to turn it off all the time. And I just can't. So, so it's a lot of uh, going, you like to go out and observe mm-hmm. and collect collect data, I'm guessing. Yeah. How, how do you just, I just imagine you sitting out in a lawn chair outside <laughs> on Selenese <laughs> Road taking notes. Like, how do you collect that data to produce a result? Um. Transportation planning requires a lot of a data analysis, and it can be anything from, you know, traffic volume data, which usually is collected by, you know, infrared sensors that we have in the roadways. We've got Bluetooth technology where it picks up when phones or cars are driving over sensors in the road. Um, We have, you know, air tubes that a lot of times you see across the roadway that people love to just run over and see how fast they can go. Um, we've got the speed trailers that end up, you know, you get neighborhood kids that try to get the high score. Um, any information like that we get and we kind of filter through to understand how those travel patterns and behaviors are changing. Are traffic volumes on certain roadways going up or down? Are our speeds going up or down? Uh, safety data, where, where are crashes happening and why? What types of crashes? What is the injury risk? things of that nature. It's a lot of combing through spreadsheets upon spreadsheets upon spreadsheets mm. of numbers, which I hated math in high school, and somehow that's what I do on a daily <laughs> basis now. So Rock Hill obviously is growing, and you mentioned kind of in your elevator pitch or speech that you know you wanted to come to an area that was growing and help that. So how has the growth in this area impacted what you do? It is constantly impacting what I do, and it's constantly changing. Um, We are a growing area, and we continue to grow. Um, York County has been, I think, number one or number two in the nation in terms of growth and population and and number of jobs in the last several years, And, and that trend seems to be continuing for our city. The thing about roads, like I said, they don't have political boundaries. So commuters drive through Rock Hill every day, 
and freight trucks come through Rock Hill every day and exit Rock Hill from, with goods that are made from here. They don't just come from Charleston and from Charlotte Douglas Airport and drop off everything here. We've got stuff that exits here. That constantly changes. We've got jobs and hospitals and schools that are all growing and drawing more people every day. So the growth in business, the growth in our economy, the growth in our schools, the growth in our tourism events, that all impacts transportation each and every day in different ways. And, and I think one of the, of the biggest things is trying to manage that growth and making sure that we're growing in the right ways. Sometimes that's challenging for our area because there are only so many roadways in our area and in our city that cross geographic constraints like Lake Wiley, like the Catawba River. We also are constrained by, you know, how many roadways can access the interstate. That's controlled by the federal government. So in our area, Rock Hill, we end up just south of Lake Wiley, just south of the Catawba River. We're bisected by the, the only interstate in four counties. So we've got a lot of cross traffic that we don't necessarily have a lot of control over. So it takes a lot of coordination between us and our planning partners and areas around us um, to try to understand what growth is happening where and what impact that has on the roadway system and transportation patterns. Um, we, we can do our best to manage what we have control over, but we've got to have a good working partnership and open lines of communication and vice versa to, to understand how we're impacting each other. So what goes in, because you guys plan or collect data for a lot of different projects, but what goes into planning a road project? Uh, a lot. <laughs> um, like like I've, I've hit with a couple other points, a lot of coordination yeah. um, within the city and outside of the city. Um, it can depend on whether, you know, if it's a roadway that the city owns and maintains or if it's SCDOT, South Carolina Department of Transportation owns a lot of roads. Um, we have to coordinate with the Federal Highway Administration if we're working on something like the interchange reconfiguration that we have at a couple different spots or new interchange. Um, it takes a lot of coordination with contractors that are out there actually doing the work. What if they are digging in the ground and find a utility line that nobody knew was there from some time ago? That requires a change in all of the design plans, and that starts a domino effect. So it takes a lot of coordination. Um, with any road project, it requires a lot of research that has to be done in the forefront and evaluations that are required for kind of what an impact might be of a project. We have to evaluate all the traffic data we kind of talked about, um, and we kind of have to evaluate what type of improvement would be best. If we widen a road, does it need to have go from two lanes to three lanes, or do we need to go to five lanes? You know, what's the impact of that? If we work on an intersection improvement, do we need to look at a roundabout? Do we need to look at traffic signal improvements? Do we need to consider more turn lanes? There's different alternatives that we're having to look at based on the kind of the growth we're experiencing. And it's causing this kind of spark of outside the box concepts. And that can create some challenges that we've got to face in terms of funding and design needs and how do we fit all of that into what's an already kind of grown atmosphere in our 
our urban city core. Um, once a type of improvement is identified, we can then kind of compare it to other alternatives, making sure, you know, is this the best solution? Is it gonna get us the, the best lifespan? Because roadway projects have a lifespan. We have to look at, is it going to get us 10 years into the future, 20 years in the future, 30 years in the future, before we start getting degrading conditions and, and worse uh, conditions for congestion and traffic. So once we go all through that analysis, we then start going through the design process, working with engineers and drawing things out. That's when you get into the engineering aspects of, you know, their standards that have to be met from the city's aspect, from the state's aspect, from the federal government's aspect. Got to look at all that. And that usually kind of moves you into uh, the funding parts of projects. And that can get complicated because I think in, in other city cast podcasts you've had, you've talked about, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, especially mm-hmm. in government. So um, when it comes to trying to fund these projects, things like the MPO, like your county pennies for progress, uh, the new infrastructure bill, those are critical in getting things done for us. Um, if we look at how a project is funded, if it's a federal project, you're required to have all of the funding in place from the get-go. So that can take some time because there's not always tens and, and, and millions of dollars laying around to go towards every project. So that takes a few years to accumulate enough funding, then you can move forward and do things. So how long, I mean, I'm sure it varies per project, but how long do these projects typically take? It's a usual rule of thumb now to plan for seven years. And that's from putting pen to paper when you're looking at what a design will be to tires are on the road and the project's complete. So you're really patient. You have to be. Yeah. Um, if, if not, then we end up with, you know, projects that don't meet the exact needs. Um, and, and I know the public that's, that's too long. That's, that's always not enough time for, for people to adjust, but seven years is the general rule of thumb right now. And I can tell you the things that kind of play into that, that start delaying that timeline right now, um, right away acquisition and utility coordination. Those are our toughest um, faces to get through. Sorry, my email. You're a popular man. You are. <laughs> Always. So um, what is, I just lost my train of thought. Sorry. Um, uh. I, I'll help you out. So uh, let's use an example because if I'm, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. you guys have been looking into how to adjust or not adjust, but improve exit 82, correct? Mm-hmm. That right. is the Cherry Road exit. Uh where are you guys with that? And we'll walk us through some of the thing, the big steps that you've been discussing right. about how to further that. So exit 82 is the interchange of I-77 with Selenese Road and Cherry Road. Mm-hmm. It's not often that you see an interchange that shares two major roadways in a community. We happen to have that challenge to face. Um, that's a project that's being led by the MPO and SCDOT. We're working hand in hand with our partners there. Uh, We've met with a consultant team that is starting to design on that project. They're kind of considering all the different alternatives um, right now. 
Um, they are hoping to have a public meeting kind of to kick things off within the next eight months, if not sooner, um, to try to get the community input and stakeholder feedback to property owners, things like that, to see kind of what impacts the, the uh, community has from this project. Um, it's, it's going to be, it may be the most significant project we see in a while because it impacts so many different people. You know, Selenese Road carries 55,000 trips per day. Mm. Cherry Road carries 40,000 trips per day. And at that interchange, there are more people trying to get on the interstate than there are people traveling the interstate at that time. You don't see that in many places across the entire state. So we've got a, a unique challenge that, that is going to take some unique and outside the box uh, design elements. Um, we've had, we have four, inter five interchanges going on in York County. You know, the Gold Hill Road interchange that Pennies for Progress did, uh, they completed that last year. That was a diverging diamond interchange. That's the first of its kind in the entire state. It's really cool. Right. <laughs> some people like it, some people don't. So, and real quick, a diverging diamond would be, you know, you drive on the right side of the road, mm -hmm. you cross over to the left side of the road. Right. And if to, in the attempt, not the attempt, in order to merge onto the interstate. So instead of having to turn left across traffic, you have merged onto the left side of the road. So you can just turn right turn, and go. Turn left or right onto the interstate. And then if you're going straight, you just go all the way back from the left side to the right side. It's so, funny, I've been on there, but I just do it. I don't it eliminates it. the cross-traffic turn. Right. If you just follow the traffic ahead of you, you never even think about it. Yeah, right. If you're thinking, I'm going to keep straight like I always do and try to compete against uh, uh, the traffic, then you've got an issue. So that's one of the five. That's one of the five. Um, SC-160 um, at exit 85, that's the next one up. They're working on the design for that and, and trying to acquire right away um, at the state. That's going to be a directional interchange. That's the first of its kind in the entire state. So they're kind of, uh, they're going to build two additional bridges across the interstate. They're going to reorganize kind of where you stop at for uh, getting off and on the interstate. And it'll be a significant project. I think the cost is somewhere around $100 million right Oof. now. Um, we're, we're facing unique challenges that require unique solutions. And that comes with a heavier price tag always in transportation. Then we've got the new interchange at exit 81, and then exit 82, working on the design there. Whatever comes from the design there, there are elements that will be the first of its kind in the state. Past that, we've kind of, in the longer run, we've got um, exit 77 at, at Anderson Road, um, kind of further out in the timeline. You don't often see a county that has five different interchanges being improved at the same time. That That is a key hint that we're exploding in terms of growth and our travel patterns are doing things that people aren't used to. So um, we're, we're facing some challenges that, that take a lot of, of things to consider and evaluate and work through in terms of designing. We're hoping Exit 82 would get under construction late 2024, 2025. It's kind of up to the state as they're managing the project. So we'll, we'll work through um, our challenges and, and get to it. But we're, we're rest assured everyone, we're getting to it as quickly as possible. 
Are there some minor projects that you can think of that are on the horizon that maybe aren't just so large to people? Yeah. Um, I think when you think of minor projects, a lot of times some things go under the radar. You know, the city goes out and does small sidewalk improvements. And, and that's a success in my eyes because we're making safety improvements that help kids get back and forth from school or the park, the playground, wherever they're trying to go, to the neighbor's house. Um, and, and those sidewalk improvements take those gaps that you see in, in a lot of places where that sidewalk isn't and help designate a safe spot for pedestrians to be moving on. Um, or it helps improve, you know, anyone with physical impairments, making sure they can walk and get to where they need to go or want to go. Um, we have maintenance projects that go on that, that a lot of times don't get a lot of credit, but, you know, it's resurfacing season, spring, summer, early fall, see a lot of pavement work going on. Um, those resurfacing projects help us improve safety and traffic flow because there's not as many you know, potholes and obstructions in the roadway if it's a brand new surface um, and traffic flows easier when those things aren't a concern. Um, we've got a lot of projects that, that go on like that, that go under the radar that I think we need to give kudos to the Public Works Department and, and the city's uh, project management team and, and the guys that are out in the heat and guys and girls and everybody that are out in the heat during the hottest times of the year doing that work because, you know, working with that asphalt, you're in 120, 30 degree, you know, heat with that, that uh, sunshine and, and heat coming off the asphalt. So they do hard work and they deserve kudos for what they do because it helps everybody get to where they need to go. How do the traffic patterns in Rock Hill specifically, because you've said it's a place with a lot of, extra trips because of where the interstate is compared to other places in york county mm -hmm. um as the largest municipality in york county we see levels of traffic that you don't see anywhere else selenese road like we said carries fifty-five thousand trips per day that's second only to the interstate in our entire county um cherry road forty thousand uh dave Lau boulevard thirty five thousand heckle boulevard twenty two thousand anderson road twenty five thousand mount gallant thirteen thousand there's just heavy traffic volumes on a lot of roadways here in rock hill um and and like we talked about commuter travel patterns we see things that other places don't um we're not as geographically constrained as some of the other places are and and to our benefit we have things that some other places don't we have a very interconnected roadway system with a nice grid pattern that gives people choices of where they can use to get where they're going other places don't some places are one main road and a lot of stub outs from that main road that causes a lot of traffic problems um we've got a a very connected bicycle and and pedestrian network with sidewalks and trails and bike lanes that some other places don't have we've also got the only fixed route transit system in the county and that says a lot that allows a lot of different travel choices for people and it helps improve congestion which is always that fixture point of what people like to complain about with traffic and transportation the more people we can get off the road, the less traffic we have. So we're, we're seeing great benefits in the transit system at my ride and from our bike pad network that just gets people off the road 
and allows them to get where they're going in alternative modes. Well, Chris, I have seen you a lot around City Hall, and I never knew that you did all of this. So it's a lot. <laughs> Thank you for you know taking your time out um, to join us on CityCast. Is there anything else that you would like to add? No, I mean, I think we are as a city in a prime location. We are are doing a lot of prime things that people should be proud about and happy about. Um, we are growing. That's concerning to some. It's a great thing to others, but we're growing. We're, we're doing it in the best way possible. I think the, the biggest thing with transportation is trying to manage expectations. Um, like we said, seven years for a new project to get done. That takes time. Be patient with us. <laughs> Sometimes we're handcuffed by state and federal regulations that we can't control. Mm -hmm. um, manage expectations. A lot of times the roadways in Rock Hill aren't owned by the city. How many how many miles of roadway do y'all think are in the city? I don't even know how to like estimate that. I, I feel don't know, like, like this my is... brain's like, oh, I'm gonna lowball this real bad. Uh, a <laughs> hundred. No, like three hundred and seventy. One thousand. A thousand. Oh, wow. Okay. There are a thousand miles of roadway in the city of Rock Hill. How many of those miles of roadway do you think we own and maintain? Okay, that's what. Oh, I was... that's where I'm thinking the 370 maybe. So, uh, this, do you think it's at least half? No. You don't think it's at I least half? I don't know. Um, I'll go 500. 670. We own 19%. So you're pretty 200. close with the 370. Oh, uh, wow. So it, you know, 55% are owned by SCDOT. You know, there's about 19% or no, nine to 11% are owned by the county and then 9% are owned by private developers and owners. So we can only control what we own and manage. Um, we get a lot of complaints of, we need to do this. We need to change this. If it's not owned by the city, we can only try to influence a decision and coordinate with our partners. We can't just go do it. So, um, you know, we're coming up on the start of school. And my phone is gonna ring off the hook for the next three weeks for complaints of how bad the traffic is around all of the schools. Manage Ooh. our expectations, stay patient. Every August, school goes back into session, and every August, we get complaints of how bad the school traffic is for the first three to four weeks. And then it levels out because you've got new schools, new students going to new schools. Parents are in a rush and oversleeping. So are kids. Everybody's trying to adjust and, and get to the school on time. And you know, you've got more students going through the car rider line than ever before. School bus ridership is down. Mm. Car ridership is absolutely up. Um, so we're seeing the impacts of COVID there and trying to deal with that. And the schools are doing the best they can. We work hand in hand with them, trying to make sure that, that we work through their, their uh, issues with any traffic related items, but manage our expectations and understand we're doing all that we can. It's just everything has a process and a, a, a requirement that has to be checked off. So just leave Chris alone and send your complaints to Matthew Cray. <laughs> I'm going to go out and find the local, our local wizard here in Rock Hill and see if I can't get him a money tree. Right. And that will help solve all our problems. Right. Yeah. That Let would. me know when you find that. 
yeah, I, I want a wizard too. Yeah. <laughs> My wife would really, really love, love it. it. She'd love it for her purse closet and her travel schedule. So, yes. Um, you know, other than that, if you do have any concerns, any questions, you want to call, call and talk to me. 803-326-2460. Wow. You can call me each and every day and we can talk about it because I tell people every day. You know, I get on the phone and they start, you know, voicing their concerns. And, and, and I understand when, when I'm out in my neighborhood, I think everything is concerning too. We can't be everywhere. City employees can't see everything. So we've got to rely on the eyes and ears of the citizens to understand because, like I said, it's a living laboratory out there. They've got to give us that feedback for us to understand what we need to do. So I never hesitate to say, call me, come talk to me. I'll come to your house. I'll come to your neighborhood and, and look at and talk through what's going on and understand so that we can have a partnership in this. Because as employees of the city, it's our city, but as residents and employees and visitors, it's their city too. So we've got to work in hand in hand and collaborate on that. Chris, thank you so much uh, for joining CityCast. Sure. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Rock Hill CityCast. Episodes are available each week to stream on SoundCloud, Google, and Apple Podcasts. To keep up with City of Rock Hill information, follow us on social media.